Welcome to the Reform Journal Podcast, the Poetry Edition, where we engage with the world of contemporary poetry from a generously reformed perspective. Find us at reformjournal.com. This is the Poetry Edition of the Reform Journal Podcast. We come to you regularly to listen to a poet read a poem and talk about where the poem came from. I'm Rose Postma, and today, Our guest is Bethany Festeman. Bethany works as a worship coordinator and a church administrator in Silver Springs, Maryland. She's also the intake editor for Reformed Worship. And today we're talking with Bethany about her poem, Ruach Elohim. And welcome, Bethany. And then you're going to pronounce the title much better than I am. (laughs) Thanks, Rose. Thanks for having me here. Great. So why don't you just jump in and read the poem with a much better pronunciation than me? Honestly, you did great. This is Ruach Elohim, Genesis 1 through 11. The breath of God sighs over the wild wastes. The wind of God blows over the dark deep. Creation spring fertile plains out of chased rocks, churning waters tamed, divided, Creep, crawl, stomp, buzz, gallop, fly, filling world creatures filled up with breath. Good? Ah, yes, good. God, what? Mirrors in mud, God's self. Waste and water and breath. Humanity. Made to so that we could be one. How long and far we've come since then, and those green fields still streams. We lost first joy and wandered wilderness, succumbed to chaos. But hope, our breath restored, cost our Lord, the word and breath of life smothered, his muddy, breath-filled image to recover. Thank you. Um, So this is a sonnet, and tell us about this sonnet. Where does it come from? Sure. I have to give a lot of credit to a podcast I was listening to, actually, uh, by The Bible Project. And they did a podcast on Genesis and the first movement of Genesis. And the theme they identified that they talked about in this podcast was the Ruach of God, which is a Hebrew word that can be translated in three different ways as um, wind or as spirit or as breath. Sounds very academic, I know. So why would one write a poem? But I was struck with just the beautiful intersections of this metaphor, right? Because that's what it it really is. It's this metaphor to try to understand how does God actually work in us in creating the world. And so you get this beautiful image of this mysterious animating energy hovering, right? And then it fills, right? It fills creation. It fills the creatures. It fills, and then it it fills us, right? And what we have, we have this breath sort of on loan from God, right? And that's this beautiful picture in, in Genesis 1 and 2 
But then everything goes downhill, right? And the next time the Ruach shows up, it's in sort of this wind of judgment from God in the, in the garden. And then it shows up whenever God's talking about taking it away not contending with man's Ruach forever, and how all creatures filled with Ruach are going to be destroyed in the flood. And so you move from this point where everything was formless and chaotic at the beginning, and then by the flood, we're back to formless and chaotic, right? And there's, it seems like hopeless. But then God sends the Ruach again and drives back the waters, right? And that's when you get the recreation, and um, that got me thinking about the New Testament and all of the the ways in which at the crucifixion, right, God, Jesus gave up his spirit. He breathed his last, and this, the breath of God being decreated so that we could be eternally recreated. So that's sort of how I thought through, and like I said, a lot of credit to the wonderful guys who do the Bible Project podcast, because they are really the ones who helped me make all those connections. But I love sonnets. It's a form I'm very drawn to. I've studied them in my academic work. And what a sonnet, a sonnet is 14 lines, right? And there's two different ways you can organize them, either with a, um, a grouping of um, eight and six or or three groups of four and then a couplet. And And this is that latter way. So if you look at it on the page, you can divide it sort of into the first four lines roughly are sort of this initial creation. And then there's the middle part, which talks about man's creation. And you kind of have a pivot to fall, right? And then the last, uh, the, the final quatrain before the couplet is, is sort of negative, the fall and, and the bad things. And then there's usually a, a pivot in a cup, the couplet right at the very end, something that returns us to hope, um, depending on the sonnet. But that's that's how it's it's written. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I think your description of how the sonnet functions and how you're using that form to negotiate the content is so helpful, um, especially if someone isn't super familiar with that form. So when you are writing and you're drawn to a sonnet, is your first draft already in sonnet form and you sort of edit it to be a better sonnet? Or do you take something that's more loose and really work to shape it into a form? I'll admit, I I work in sonnet form from the beginning. Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think, I heard one person say at one at one point um, that he really admired people who could write in free verse mm-hmm. because it meant they had to make things up as they went along. And he liked writing in known forms because mm-hmm. there was a comfort in knowing the expectation. And so people who say like, oh, I couldn't write formal poetry. I'm like, I'm very bad at writing anything other than formal poetry. I've tried. <laughs> and every so often I'm like, well, that wasn't a bad attempt, but having sort of a set of like, okay, I'm writing an iambic line. And so I'm I'm looking for language that fits my idea that can follow a pattern. I'm thinking about where I want to end the line at. So the first two lines are just straightforward 
sentences, right? Mm-hmm. With with a semicolon. The breath of God sighs over the wild waste. The wind of God blows over the dark deep. Those are very and I I, I did that because I didn't want I wanted that to feel stationary and static, mm-hmm. right? And then I pick up and I, I try to sort of let the the phrase sort of trip over itself so you have something called enjambment where you move from the end of one line into the start of the next line without pausing at the end of the line right and so you start to feel the force of creation and that and so I mean these things are all in my mind I honestly I rewrite lines but I do mm-hmm. tend to work within the line right knowing I need 10 syllables roughly sometimes you can get away with 11 if you're using a feminine ending and and sometimes the first foot of the line can be reversed so it's a trochee instead of an i anyway lots of technical terms don't need to go into it but um you know it's it to me it's like part of the fun of writing the poem is knowing the constraints that I'm working within and trying to match those as well as I can yeah that's great and I think it's interesting you talk about the enjambment because that's one of the things I noticed in your reading of it and that's the thing I love about hearing someone be able to read and experience that enjambment in a different way that the eye doesn't necessarily do when I read it silently in my head so that was powerful to me I think particularly in the last couple lines where you kind of pushed through that that line break um, when you read it read it aloud so that's I always love that um, when that happens in a poem. Thank you so much. Could you read it for us again now that we have sort of this background? We can be thinking about what it means to be a sonnet as well as just the content that you've so wonderfully explained. All right. Ruach Elohim. The breath of God sighs over the wild wastes. The wind of God blows over the dark deep. Creation. Spring fertile plains out of chased rocks, churning waters tamed, divided. Creep, crawl, stomp, buzz, gallop, fly, filling world creatures filled up with breath. Good? Ah, yes, good. God, what? Mirrors in mud God's self. Waste and water and breath. Humanity made two so that we could be one. How long and far we've come since then, and those green fields still streams. We lost first joy and wandered wilderness, succumbed to chaos. But hope, our breath restored, cost our Lord. The word and breath of life smothered, his muddy, breath-filled image to recover. Thank you so much for that reading and the conversation. Absolutely. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you, Rose. You can read Bethany's poem at reformjournal.com. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to the Reform Journal podcast, the poetry edition. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And until the next time, explore all the great poetry on the Reform Journal website.